good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanin Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have another one for you today. I can't wait to get into this discussion. It's Friday, so you know it's monologue day, and we got another great one for you today. Today, we're talking about fraternities, we're talking about sororities, we're talking about the Divine Nine, and we have a great, outstanding panel discussion on the other side of this monologue. We have not one, not two, but three panelists that are ready to give you the game on everything Black sororities. This is part one of our discussion, and part two, we'll discuss the fraternity side. But first, here's our monologue. Ladies and gentlemen, they, them, he, she, gather around because we're about to dive into a topic that's as historically significant as it is misunderstood. Black fraternities and sororities in America. thinking fraternities and sororities aren't those just places where college students learn how to play beer pong and make bad life decisions well strap in because this is a different kind of party You see, back in the day when higher education was about as diverse as a mime convention, black students were getting a raw deal. So they did what any rational racial group would do. They formed their own clubs. And in 1906, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated was born. And they weren't just about toga parties. They were about to go toga on injustice. And Alpha Phi Alpha set the stage for the fraternities. And for the sororities, Alpha Kappa Alpha set the stage coming in hot in 1908. They were like the Beyonce of the sorority world saying, ladies, we're not just going to sing single ladies. We're going to single-handedly change the game for generations to come. And the numbers, the numbers are purely significant. Now, let me throw these at you. Black fraternities and sororities boast over 1.5 million members who are spread across more than 1,400 chapters. Now, if you talk about power and significance, this is it right here. And these organizations weren't just about forming a clique. They were about fighting for civil rights. 
They were on the front lines demanding change, and trust me, they weren't doing it in matching polo shirts. He's right, you know. And while fighting civil rights, it wasn't all serious business. Oh, no. These were still kids, and these groups knew how to have a good time. They threw parties that put your wildest college ragers to shame. And let's not even get started on the stepping and the step shows. It's like synchronized swimming, but with rhythm and style. Two things that, let's face it, most recognized swimmers sorely lack. Say what? And let's talk about the impact. The impact. Oh, boy. Black fraternities and sororities have produced some of the most influential figures in American history. We're talking about Martin Luther King Jr. We're talking about Toni Morrison and Thurgood Marshall. And in sports, we're talking about the likes of Michael Jordan, Anthony Hardaway, and Shaquille O'Neal, just to name a few. And these people didn't just leave a mark, they left a crater. But here's the kicker. These organizations have also contributed over $20 million in scholarships, wait for it, annually. That's right. While some folks were busy playing beer pong economics, these groups were quietly putting their money where their mouth is, ensuring that future generations have the opportunity to succeed. So the next time you hear about fraternities and sororities, don't just think about red solo cups and questionable life choices. Think about the rich history of activism, empowerment, and education. These groups have been shaping America for over a century, and they're not about to stop now. And if you're thinking about joining one, I say go for it. But just remember this, hazing is a big no-no. There are plenty of ways to bond that don't involve chugging a gallon of milk or having a piece of wood up against your hindsight. And trust me, your digestive system and your booty will thank me later. So here's to black fraternities and sororities and to the incredible individuals who made and continue to make history. And if you'll excuse me, <laughs> I'm off to work on my step show routine and spoiler alert, it's going to be great. My chapter will tell you I was one of the better steppers in my chapter, if not the best. And I will continue to pay homage to this incredible legacy of black sororities and fraternities. And to my fraternity, a nice and hearty hi and yo to the bros. And now, here's our panel discussion. Today, we have Dr. Danielle Martin, we have Cashel Long, and we have Venus Ricks. This is like this is like a joke, y'all. This is like two SG Rose and a Delta walk in a bar. You know, so again, we're going to be blowing the top off of Black Greekdom. I cannot wait to get into these details and discuss this monologue. It's part three of three of this podcast series week. And we started the conversation, we started this week discussing the Top five headlines with Dr. Kamika Campbell. So if you have not checked that out, then I implore you to go on ahead and check out those top five headlines that we discussed. We also had our newsmaker conversation on Wednesday. So if you have not binged, well, then you need to start again. We have with us not one, but two SG Rose and Adelta joining us to discuss Black Greekdom. Ladies, I am honored. Thank you so much for joining us on the Melanin Report today. How you all doing? 
Thank you for having us. I'm I'm well. (laughs) So pleasure it is. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. So um, so let's um, let's 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 start uh, let's start with uh, you, Danielle. Um, can you tell the folks who you are, uh, what organization you rep, and some of the uh, history of uh, your organization? Okay, so my name is Dr. Danielle Martin. I rep Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, Harrisburg Alumni Chapter in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Delta Sigma Theta was founded on January 13th, 1913th on the campus of Howard University by 22 strong young ladies who came together with their collective strength to bring about change and movement. And so when you think of the timing of not just mine, but all of our organizations, um, we were up against some heavy things, Mm. you know, uh, racially, uh, you know, in terms of sex, meaning male, female stuff. And so we were designed to be a movement, not a monument. Mm. So I'll leave it there. All right. All right, all right, and um, uh, Venus, let's bring you you in here next. Now, listen, this is your interview, Brother Lupton, and the only reason I defer to my Sora Long is because she is also president of NPHC. Oh, so I'd like to defer to her to start us off here for our uh, illustrious organization. All right, ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Thank you, Sora Rex. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Kashel Long. I am a current member of the Kappa Omicron Sigma chapter of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. And as Venus mentioned, the sitting president for the MPHC of Greater Harrisburg. Our organization was founded November 12th, 1922. We were founded in Indiana. Um, Not many people know this, but what is very unique about our organization is we were actually founded by postgraduate members and all of our founders were actually educators. Mm. So that sets us aside from some of the other organizations, not that we're better, fine, you know, just saying (laughs) we have a different we have a different startup from a lot of other organizations. And as Dr. Martin previously mentioned, we were founded in a time where we were faced with a lot of barriers and obstacles that we had to learn to overcome. And by creating our organization, we were able to do so. All right. And uh, finally, Venus. So Venus Ricks, I am a member of the wonderful uh, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, Kappa Omicron Sigma Chapter of Greater Harrisburg. Um, I would just like to add one of the things that, oh, I'm breaking up. Yeah. Just a tad. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I move. But anyway, what I was saying was our, um, where we were presented in Indiana, the Ku Klux Klan was active, very active. And so not that I'm attracted to the Ku Klux Klan, but was attracted to how those post-grad women, those, those folk educators decided that this is where we need to be coming together in a collective to serve other women, other Black women, but also to serve economic challenges, right? Because we have understand that Blackness, both then and now, 
is strongly connected to economics and what that looks like for our people. So I wanted to add that to um, some of our history and one of the attractive pieces. Uh... All right. So let's jump into our our monologue. Um, uh, just just as a um, uh, just as a uh, disclaimer here, folks, uh, I am a uh, member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. So please excuse my bias uh, when we talk about um, other fraternities. Um, but uh, the the monologue uh, starts off talking about um, people starting starting these fraternities, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha um Alpha Kappa Alpha in in these uh, tumultuous times. Uh, so for for you uh, as as black women, and this can uh, start off with anybody. For you as as black women, what does it mean to you to be a part of an organization uh, that was started during such tumultuous times and has really lasted the test of time? Mm-hmm. I, I think for me, uh, Venus talked a little bit about what attracted her to her organization. For me, uh, what attracted me was that these were, um, you also have to think about their age and for, for all of our organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, these were collegiate students, yeah. you know, what, 17, 18 years old and just a crazy time period. And so one of the things that attracted me to my organization is that these young ladies, as soon as um, they became established um, and recognized as a sorority, we was ready to go. Um, Participated in the Women's Suffrage March um, two months after its founding. And so very heavy in organization rooted in sisterhood, scholarship, service and social action and even though they were a part of that women's um, suffrage march there were women within the march that didn't even think that they should be there Mm. right and so that for me is like okay y'all you know that kind of made me do uh double takes you know and just also for me personally there are several women in my life um that were educators you know, throughout my, me coming through school, who were movers and shakers, who um, were always at the table um, in some sort of way, shape or form, um, you know, and they are Deltas. And so that, that has always moved me. And so I have always wanted to be part of that, be the, uh, you know, the change that I I wanted to see as well. And those women um, helped to, you know, helped me in that way. Mm. Madam President? I don't even remember if I answered your question, but you did. That's how I was was feeling about that. You did. You did. You definitely did. Madam President? Yes, everything that Dr. Martin said was absolutely beautiful, but I would also like to add, coming from an organization that was founded in such tumultuous times, the one thing that comes to mind is perseverance, Mm. resilience, adversity. All of these things, instead of it being a hindrance, it became a molding for those people. And their ability to see the bigger picture is so much greater now than it was then. Although they are not alive to see what has come to fruition from their faithfulness 
from their commitment, from their works, I stand in the gap so that I can also pay it forward to people who may not see it right now currently mm. in their life. My organization has not identified me as a person, but it has added to my identity. And it has allowed me to reach platforms to, again, empower, to allow people to know that there is more to the story. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Venus? As I'm over here drawing um, figures and, like, loops, I don't know if any, some of you have worked with me in things, and I start drawing my brain on a piece of paper. So something I'm thinking about just from both... Um, my soror and my Greek sister here is thinking about that sisterhood scholarship service piece, right? And so I know that is ours, right? Sigma Gamma with sisterhood scholarship service. And so what I wrote here was the sisterhood is that collective community. How are you using, right, the roots of our African descent, right? To connect to sisters, sibling, whatever, whatever sister looks like for you and how to make sure that you're able to stand side by side, stand behind them when they need that support, right? And then how do you take that scholarship piece, that learning, that exploring more, that freeing your mind and that the construct that we've been given as black women is not one that we have to participate in and we can create what that looks like for ourselves. Then you take that to service. And I'm gonna go, I'm go somewhere for a second so think about the great migration, both both great migrations, right? The purpose, not the complete purpose was, what they learned was to bring, right? So that they can be bringing themselves up in the way that they were learning from the North. Unfortunately for some, they didn't bring that stuff back to the South. They stayed in the North and kept the learning for themselves. How I see our organization is going back with what we learn and bringing it to the folks that we are advocating for, that we are working with, that we are working behind and in collaboration with, so that that service to our people continues as we grow. Because a lot of the issues they were dealing with in, for us, 1922, aren't much different. They look different. They've evolved. So how do we make sure that sisterhood, scholarship, and service is at our core and that we're remembering that our founders created this space so that we could value and be liberated and liberate others in the process. I hear my sound is cutting out, so I hope you got the juicy parts of it. <laughs> yeah, and and um and um uh Venus, I do wanna uh come come back to you. Um <clears throat> because uh, Sigma Gamma Rho was founded on a PWI. Um, uh, versus other uh, frats and sororities being founded on um, HBCU. What what is the um, significance as a member um, for yourself uh, to to join an organization that really went against the grain? So for me, it was actually it resonated a whole lot. That was my experience growing up, right? Being educated in spaces where it was predominantly white, whether that was uh, after I left elementary school and moved to Pennsylvania, or going to Susquehanna University, right? It was a predominantly white institution with actual economic means, which was very different than the black low-income life I was living prior to getting there. Mm. And so Sigma Gamma Rho resonates with me because there was a shared experience there, not to say the economic piece, 
but the fact that you are trying to be you, black women, black educated women, black professional women in an environment that says, we've invited you here, you're not a member. And so uh -huh. I am a member of this world. I am a member of the society. I'm not invited, right? So how do I continue to make space in this organization and outside for those who have been told this is your parameter by whiteness? So I can, I can resonate a whole lot with a, trying to get your liberation in a space that, confi that confines that, that borders that, that pushes it out. Um, so, yeah, that's it. All right. And... Um Danielle, if um uh, if you can interject with your um organization um being founded on a HBCU and uh, uh significance of that for you. Yeah. Um so I didn't have the opportunity to attend an HBCU, but there is significance in um organizations being founded um on HBCU campuses. Yes, everyone looks like you, but at the same token, everyone is experiencing um, some of the same, just might be a little different um, in terms of who you are and your perspective. But that also lends itself to collective strength, right? Um, these young people recognized there's something going on on the outside of these walls that we can do something about, and we need to figure out how to do it, um, whether we band together uh, whether we support what's already in existence until we have our own. Um, so that whole sense of unifying together um, to, you know, work together for for the common good, for the for the greater picture. Um, so that's how I, I it resonates with me. Mm. I uh, guess I don't want to go too far because I think you're going to ask something later. But um, yeah, I'll stop there. All right. For now. And um, Cashel, um, as as the president of the NPHC, uh, you you are bringing all of these black and brown bodies uh, to, together under under one umbrella. So what are uh, some of the biggest misconceptions of black sororities uh, that you would like to A, discuss and bring up and B, debunk? I am hmm. so glad you asked me this question. <laughs> so glad. The first thing I want to debunk is that we don't get along. Mm. I'm not sure who told outsiders that or this preconceived notion or where they got it from, but that is absolutely not true. I have friends from each other sorority and I mean very close friends and Dr. Martin who can attest to this she has actually been one of my longtime mentors mm. I actually became MPHC president because of her nudge talk about her it. and brother um, her and brother Edmund Hardy from Phi Beta Sigma their push for me to step out of my comfort zone with being okay to play the background it propelled me into this seat mm. and here I am several years later and i can say that i have grown in not just the arena of greek life but it has been applicable to my life across the board so the one myth that i would absolutely like to debunk is that we do not get along we work very well together and when we do work together it's a beautiful outcome you know i don't like the fact that they try to pit the volume you know the quality versus quantity that that's not our mantra here or at least in this area we work collaboratively 
we work efficiently, we work effectively, and this is a crown-fixing space. And I do mm. not need to announce that your crown is crooked to the crowd. All I need mm-hmm. to do is simply say, sis, come here. Let me help you. Let me hug you. Let me love you. Let me give you what you need. Let me bear what you can't bear so that we can get to where we need to go because the buck doesn't stop with us. So that mm-hmm. is the first myth that I would absolutely like to debunk mm-hmm. is that we don't get along. <laughs> I love my sister. Grace. Oh, oh, man. Cashel, uh, right now, um, goosebumps and teardrops. That's <laughs> that's <Mic drop. laughs> that's what my body is experiencing right now. Uh, goosebumps and teardrops. Oh man. Um uh so um be, 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 before we get to uh Venus again, um want to talk about one more misconception here. Um that that the um that the, that the fraternity and sorority experience um the quote unquote real experience stops at the collegiate level. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. May may I interject really quickly? I'm going ahead, please do. <laughs> This is my absolute favorite part of my journey into Sigma Land was the fact that I joined through a graduate chapter. Mm -hmm. My original aspirations were through undergraduate chapter. And unfortunately, there were some things that happened behind the scenes that prevented that from happening. During that time, I still showed up. I still did service. I kept in contact with a lot of the sorors. After a few years, it kind of felt like it was out of reach. I did something, and this is just me personally. I'm speaking just for myself. I remember I prayed. I sat in my car and I prayed and I said, Lord, I want this. If this is for me, I need you to open the door and make it unmistakable that this is coming from you. Mm. A week later, my soror, who was my advisee and mentor, called me and said, we're having a line come up. Mm. Are you interested? I said, absolutely. And from there, I met Venus Ricks. And the rest is history. So the, the 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 experience doesn't stop at the undergraduate level. And in fact, mm-hmm. what I would what I would really like for people to know is if you are joining undergraduate, yes, you do work. But the work really begins when you get to your graduate chapter. Boom. Talk the work about does it. not stop. <laughs> the work absolutely does not stop. And not only does it not stop, the load does not lessen. Mm. So I need for people to understand if you're on campuses and you're saying, I'm going to join this organization. And then you think once you cross the stage, it has to end there. That's not true. You need to pay it for reach back and grab your brother and or sister and bring them with you. The work does not stop. Mm, mm, love it. Love it. Love it. So, um, uh, Venus, um, talking talking about the work not stopping uh, when when you become a part of of a grad chapter, um, it's it, it's it's obviously more than um, you know dollar holla parties uh, and, and and party walking. Uh, so, uh, can you let us know uh, what one experiences uh, in a grad chapter and the benefits that are attached with it? Oh wow! So um, along with Cashel, I also did not join until I joined. Well, of course joined an alumni chapter. Um, But as someone who was interested in undergrad but didn't have the opportunity, I also came to a point where I was like, "Mm, maybe it won't even be a thing for me in undergrad, so I want to wait anyway until Mm. I'm in a life place that makes more sense. So in grad chapter for me, what's the difference is I think you have professional women. So we've been out 
either we're going to graduate school or we're we're um, evolving and growing in a more professional way and using that professional growth or that leadership development, the things that we've evolved from, you know, and matured through from undergrad, we're able to use that now out in service, right? We're able to be social action folks. We're able to bring things back to undergrad. Um, I, I can't speak for others, but I know we're connected to our undergraduate chapters um, in the area. And so how are we making sure that they're staying um, supported, that they're staying connected to. It's also the service programming and how are we developing as leaders? It's not just once you're here, you're done, right? That lifelong learning, that lifelong kind of connection and learning, not even just like book learning, but just from being in a uh, an organization of so many different women, even though we identify, you know, most of us might identify as black, mm -hmm. right? You still get to learn, you still get to grow and the networking, Right. When you're in a professional space like this, the networking can really be beneficial because you might have a Sora that moved to the area, but lived in California for 15 years and starts connecting you to folks. Right. It's just really, really important as you're trying to build your career, trying to build who you are and your womanness. Right. Mm -hmm. um, to have other women around you in similar places. Yeah, I love. I think if, mm -hmm. I, if, if I could add to that, Please I'm do. sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you don't um, need to apologize. Marquise, this is your lucky day because I too have come through an alumni chapter. Um, hey, so look at that—you, you three for three. Three for three. Um, you know, I think too is that you realize that it's your organization is a business. Mm. Your organization is bigger than you. Your organization is way bigger than the the stroll or the pot party hop that you're going to set off at the chapter cookout. Um. And these are women, as Venus said, professional women, but also these women have families. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing their thing, not just at work, but in the community. Um, what I really, really love about it and what is really important to me is the mentorship. That that <laughs> Venus said in her knees hurt. Right. My <laughs> knees hurt. I, I don't have Megan knees anymore. Um, the mentorship um, that comes with you know, within your organization. And this, I guess, kind of speaks to, to what Cashel was saying also across um, organizations as well. But these 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 organizations are business, mm. okay? We are about our, our time and our business and making a societal impact. And so, yes, we support our collegiate chapters. Yes, we go back and we do things with them. Yes, we do we do all of that. But at the end of the day, it is a business. Mm. And, and and then um, with that business, um, you all are also fighting stereotypes as as well. So uh, this one is is uh, open for the group. How do you all go about debunking these these stereotypes uh, that, you know, all all AKAs are this, that and the other. All SG Rose are this, this, this. All Zetas are this, this, this. All Deltas have to have this, that and the other. Um, in your respective communities, uh, how do you all um, debunk and quote unquote attack these myths? May I? Please do. I reside with my people. Mm. I reside with my people. If my core values do not align with a certain group of people, it is no hatred. It's not that I do not like you. I just do not reside there. Can I visit? Yes. 
Will I stay? No. Mm. If my people are looking to be impactful and influential, I'm not going to look for the people who only want to party. Mm. And if you really want to know something about somebody in an organization, watch the people they surround themselves with. That will tell you more than you asking them. Mm. Because what they are into, they're also going to attract. So debunking those myths is just authenticity. Just authenticity. Mm. Being who I truly Mm. am. Being in that space of ownership that my organization has allowed me to have coming into my organization because nobody in my chapter and or organization are cookie cutter. Mm. We're not all the same. So just finding that space and residing there is how I debunk my myths. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, all SG Rose don't like vanilla cake. I'm going to mind my business and go get that red velvet. <laughs> you're just going to watch me get the red velvet and you're going to know. So honestly, me, me personally, how I debunk those myths is I am who I am. Mm. And who I am in this space is who you're going to get when I'm outside of this space. Authenticity. That's it. Well, excuse me, Pastor. I wasn't expecting a sermon today. Oh, man. Let's go. Let's go. Speak to my soul. Let's go. Where's the collection plate? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Anybody? Anybody else? And if I can um, go off of my Sora and say, if you... You have to show up, right? If I'm showing up in a certain way, then people can create whatever they want to create. But -hmm. if you're showing up in a way that speaks to your values, as Masora was saying, speaks to the, 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 the tenets of your organization, then folks shouldn't have anything to say. And if they do, the questions on why are you questions on that? Like what, what, what is, what is your concern with this? Are you right. interested in being involved? Like, let's talk about your your pieces, right? There mm-hmm. could be some some chronic stress. There could be some trauma pieces. Let's talk about it. People right. didn't, get their, mm-hmm. didn't get their invites. So let's talk about some things where people might be holding on to stuff or ignorant about the ignorant about these organizations and how do we help you? How do we enlighten you? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is if you're living in your authenticity and you can see that in these organizations, they're black women, but they're not all the same black women, mm. even mm-hmm. though they might, right? They all connect to the values and the mission and the structure, right? It just so happens you have black women, but they're all very diverse. So mm-hmm. I find that to be someone else's linear thinking or narrow thinking versus actually right. expanding and asking questions and getting in. Yeah, and uh, let's um, uh, let's let's talk about that that single-minded person uh, real quick. Uh, and Danielle, we'll uh, go to you first uh, for for that person uh, that that says, "Well, you know, I I don't want to become a part of a sorority because I'm an individual. Uh, I'm I, I'm my own person. I'm I'm my own man." Uh, what would you ha- have to say to to that person that feels as though that once they join said organization, they lose a sense of individuality? Mm. Well, yes, you are your own di- individual, but um, y- you're saying if the person joins and then they're saying that, because then my question would be, why did you join? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm confused. 
Now, if somebody is at saying this prior to, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to lose my individuality. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But let's talk about why you feel like you would lose that mm. when you actually would be gaining. Mm. Um, you know, so I think in a way, it's all about perspective. Are you able to see the glasses half full or half empty? Like, why... I think it goes back to let's 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 maybe back up a little bit and think about why you are maybe thinking that you want to be a part of something that you feel like you wouldn't get anything out of. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, I think um, for me, Delta did not make me. I, I was okay. I, I was. I'm not not saying that I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I was the end all be all before I got here. I had I had things to contribute when I came to Delta. So Delta did not make me or, you know, all of that. Um, that's not what I'm saying. It has been a blessing. It has been an asset to me. It came with things that I didn't have before. Sisterhood, um, you know, just so many things that I have learned with being around amazing women in my organization and other organizations. Um, So I think that person really has to kind of sit back with self for a minute, Mm. kind of do some self-evaluation and then do your research and then see where you best fit, fit in. Cause it has, it has to be, okay. I'm just going to say this. And I think I can think I can speak for my other sisters, but I'm gonna say this. We don't need no more members of t-shirt pairs. Okay. Um, so if you already questioning some things prior to you you can just you can just go on and stay where you are. Mm. Um we welcome Absolutely welcome. Anybody who has the passion, the heart for it, the desire, um, who who is serious about scholarship, who's serious about service, who's serious about social action. Um, but but let's do a little bit of self-evaluation here too. Mm. That's I feel like that's the part that's missing because people are quick to blame great organizations or, you know, for oh my gosh. Let's let's look in the mirror for a little bit here. Yeah, and and I actually want to uh, talk talk about how how people uh, talk about Greek organizations now. Um, talking about how oh they're they're not as community um, centered as they used to be. It's not like the old days. It's not like the old Greeks. Kashel, uh, when you hear that, especially being the president of NPHC. What's your reaction? It's disheartening, if I if I can be honest and mm-hmm. in full transparency, it is very disheartening to hear that, and it's mainly disheartening because I'm in the field, I'm doing the work, I'm boots to the ground with people, and we are out in the community. So then it leads us to evaluate how are we moving. If we are looking to address systemic issues, then we need to move systemically. We cannot continue to have individual silos 
and expect for our impact to be as great as it can be. What I will say to that comment is I've heard it. I've heard that before as well. But what I also know is that as we are getting through what some people would like to consider post-COVID, we could be considered peri-COVID, however you look at it, we are now reevaluating and restructuring how we are gathering, how mm. we are approaching things. And I don't want to speak for everyone everywhere, but I can say in the greater Harrisburg area, you know, with collaboration, communication, consistency, those things, we're applying that to debunk that myth as well, that we're not like the old Greeks. We've had some barriers, we've had some obstacles, especially with the pandemic. But now that we're at this point, we are looking to address that and move forward. Yes. And and talking about moving forward, uh, it, it, this is going to be my um, last question here. Uh, we're going to open it up to everybody and begin with you, uh, Venus. Uh, five, three, three to five years from now, uh, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your organization and where do you see the NPHC? I know it's a kind of kind of a loaded question, <laughs> but but please, please. The floor is yours. And um, first, let's see, so three to five years, uh, on our these some of this growth and impact from organizations, all of us that have been coming out, coming out of us being able to be out and, and that we are doing a bit more. I know there are organizations doing it already, but I would like to see our org um, locally more engaged um, in the political legislative scene. So I would mm. say that's my desire for us for the next three to five years. Okay. Okay. Um, Danielle, you next. Okay. So three to five years from down for myself, my organization and the MPHC as a whole. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think for my organization, we have uh, several seats at the table, um, especially with government. Mm. I love to see that. I'd love to see that continue. Um, I'd love to see organizationally um, mentoring around how we can get more members to follow that, that pathway. Um, for myself, I have taken some steps to uh, become more of an advocate in some uh, some areas. I see myself uh, taking more of a leadership role on whether that is professionally or in some of the organizations that I'm involved in. Um, for the NPHC, I, I need to see, at least in our area, um, I need them to hold tight to the fact that relationships matter, mm. um, mentorship matters. So for the newer members who are coming on board, find a seasoned member, vice versa, and begin those conversations. I, I don't, everybody that I receive love and mentorship from does not wear crimson and cream and that's okay. Mm. Um, and I need everybody to be open, just be open to that. I'd like us to to get more involved um, in a gov on a government level locally, and make some change. To see if we can make some change in our in our communities here locally. 
I'm going to tell y'all this. Y'all are going to make me send my money in and become active again uh, <laughs> in the Harrisburg Alumni chapter. Harrisburg Alumni, I'm coming. They, they, they done um, convinced, convinced me. Um, bam, Tez, I'm coming, y'all. <laughs> and, and look and look we all know them too so don't don't yes. make me text bam right now and, and that you can write your check uh, because collectively we can do more the more that we band together mm-hmm. the more um you know that we just there's work to be done yeah and and we can get more done together absolutely absolutely Cashel. Oh, so for me personally, the organization MPHC, for me personally, in the next three to five years, I continue, I see myself continuing to be coachable. Mm. I don't know everything. I don't profess to know everything. I love to get with people who know more than me because that means I'm ever learning. I never want to be the smartest person in the room by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Within my organization, I also see myself being more involved in the infrastructure work because we have a lot of great healthcare initiatives that are currently underway. Mm. And I would love to see them come to full fruition, especially for resources for the underserved, underrepresented communities, um, particularly the BIPOC community. I really would love for us to see those things, bring those things to fruition so that we can have resources for our people. And I just want to piggyback off of both Venus and Dr. Martin when they said us being more involved with the government. Um, There's power in numbers and our organization definitely have the numbers. So I would love for us to leverage our resources. I would love for us to band together so that we can make that universal impact. And again, just to address the silo movement within individual organizations, we have something systemically that we need to address. And that we can only address it if we are working together. So for the MBHC of the greater Harrisburg area, my hope with the next administration is to see um, more involvement within the community, be more aware of things that are going on around within the community, because there's definitely a need. There's always a need. Mm, oh, man. And and uh, what we are going to need here is a part two of this, because uh, we 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 definitely um, uh, still have some more meat on the bone um, and, and some more topics to discuss. Ladies, this this has been a, a fantastic discussion. Um, like I said, goosebumps and teardrops like that. That was not hyperbole. That that was real. That was real. Um, I don't you you the listener can't can't see it. But during that time, there was like a little thug tear that came down. I was like, my gosh, that's beautiful. I did not know we were preaching today. Oh, man. So again, ladies. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I don't want to end this, but I know I have to. Uh, but again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, so much. Uh, you, the, the listeners, stay tuned for uh, the discussion on Black Greekdom Part 2, where we discuss with the fraternity. So I would like to thank you. Once again, for tuning into the Melanin Report with Marquise Lupton, you could have been listening to any other podcast right now, and we appreciate you taking the time to make us a part of your day. The best thing you could do right now is share this podcast with a friend, because friends don't let friends the Melanin Report alone. 
Our panelists, I would like to thank again Danielle, Cashel, and Venus. It was great and insightful having this conversation. I hope that this won't be the last time. I don't think it will be. Sounds like you need some more church. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, that concludes part three of three of our podcast series this week with our panel discussion on black Greekdom. And in the words, this one is for my homie Venus Ricks. In the words of Method Man. (laughs) In the words of Method Man, rap is a gimmick, but I'm for hip hop. That is the culture for the culture by the culture. We'll see you on the other side. This is the Melanin Report. Trust your dopeness. I'm Marquise Lupton. Kappa, 